What's up, disc golfers? Joe here with Joe's Disc Golf, and I have got a bonus episode with you. For all of you audio people, I'm flailing my hands about like a wild, crazy person because I just watched the Las Vegas Challenge, and wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, if you have not seen it, this is your chance to tune out now. Go away. Listen to this podcast because I'm going to be dropping the spoilers like crazy, yo. We've got MPO, we got FPO. If you are waiting to watch this, because I'm going to drop this 9 a.m. Monday morning. Yes, it is. Um, so this is your chance. This is your last chance here. You have until the end of our sponsor read here. And this is sponsored by Log. What rolls downstairs alone or in pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack and it fits on your back. It's log, log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log from Blamo. Hashtag not a real sponsor. That is your warning. You have until five, four, three, two. This message will self-destruct. One, kabloomy. All right, so if you're still here, you want to know what I have to say. I watched it all, and by it all, I mean I watched about half of it. I watched all of the FPO and caught bits and pieces of the MPO. So my thoughts are not as deep on the MPO side, although I did watch the playoff, and that was so exciting to watch. It was it was really awesome. Um, just getting to see some of the guys out there, watching everybody else throw, following some of them on social media, guys like Brody, a little disappointed with their play, but they're still getting better. They're still doing better. <laughs> Excuse me. I was a little upset with how Scott Stokely panned out, but you know, he's going to get better. He, I liked his every day did a self interview, basically just went through what he did well, what he could do better on just how he wants to get better at the sport in general. And I, I think that's pretty cool. I think a few more pros should start doing that. You know, give it an hour or so after your round and then go do that. Go do a, a, a live stream either on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, whatever. Go out and do a live stream and do something like that. Talk about your round. You know, it's going to help you notice your own flaws and it gets you a nice personal connection with the players out there. So that's pretty cool. Um, I thought Ricky would have done better than he did, but as I alluded to in my, uh, in my, um, article that I wrote up my predictions, my Las Vegas challenge predictions, which you can find on chosediscgolf.com along with write-ups of all the FPO rounds the day they happened. Um, but with Ricky, it, it ended up, he ended up finishing tied for seventh I predicted him at third, so he finished a little bit worse than I thought, but it was because of those couple things where he reached for disc and it turned just a bit little, uh, just a little later than it did. It, you know, the wind played with it more than it would have when he was throwing, you know, a, a destroyer. I don't know, I'm just pulling a disc out of my, my head here. You know, he threw it and it just, it faded out a bit sooner than he would have thought. It was just a little bit off and he, he looked good. It's just learn the whole new bag. This is his bag, baby. Uh, yes, I'm watching Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Just recently watched that. Good movie. You should go check it out. Uh, if you're old enough, that is. Um, Nico Castro did all right. 
He finished tied for 12th. He jumped up 10 places today. I thought Ezra Aderhold was going to take second place. Turns out I was wrong by 10, but by far the most consistent player out there, in my opinion, just looking at his round ratings, he or his round scores, he shot a 53, a 53, a 52, a 52. You can't get more consistent than that. Across all those different courses, I think he's playing well. He just, you know, not quite there yet. He's He's got to do a few more bicep curls, scare the discs a little bit more, and uh, I think he'll be there. I think he's still going to be someone to watch out for. Luke Humphreys is not someone that I have really seen up towards the top. And this year, I mean, he must have picked up some, he must have been getting some free lessons there with the OTB skins. And uh, he jumped up to a tie for fourth. He jumped up six spots along with Kevin Jones. And I thought they looked, I thought he looked good. The little bits of clips that I saw here and there, I thought Kelvin was going to take it down, but he did not play well enough. He had three very good rounds. Round three was not a very good round for Calvin. He shot a 48 round one, a 51 round two, a 57 round three, and a 48 round four. You know, he takes, you know, even a 52, he takes off five strokes and he wins it by two instead of lose it. Well, not losing, but taking third by three strokes. So tomato, tomato, it's all right. But then we get to the excitement. Gannon, Burr, and Drew Gibson played phenomenal. Uh, Drew Gibson did not play well in round three, but he crushed it round one, two, and four. Uh, Taking it to a playoff, taking it to uh, three extra holes, four extra holes, the playoff, they went four extra holes to be able to decide the winner of Waco. And Gannon looked really good. He just, that putt that he missed, he hit the band. He threw it just a little bit too high, got a little too excited. Um, he's pretty upset afterwards, but he, the, the kid, he's 16. He played phenomenal. I wish I could play that good now, but he can do that at 16. He's going to be a terror. We're looking at the next Paul Macbeth if he keeps on this pace here. It's insane. You know, somebody posted on Twitter, I'm taking this from RJ at Half in the Bag because we just finished recording that. So uh, RJ, if you're listening to this, thanks, buddy. He uh, he said that someone posted on Twitter like, uh, what's the over-under? Are you taking the over-under on 12 and a half world titles with Gannon Burr? Now, I don't think anybody is going to do that again. Uh, Ken Climo did it, but I don't think anybody's going to do it again. The field's just too deep now. Ken Climo is very good, still very good. The field just wasn't as deep when he was playing. And now that, you know, you can make a living off of it. I mean, you could play at 16 and you can make a living off of this. So that looked pretty good there. And Drew Gibson looked awesome uh, today as well. And the fact that after Drew won, he had a lot of kind words to say. And he's very impressed with how uh, Gannon played. And as a fun little fact here, Gannon Bird only took two bogeys the entire four rounds plus the playoff. Hole seven and hole 16, round one. And that was it. That was it. Where Drew Gibson, clean card in second round, double on third round. He had a double and two bogeys in the first round, fourth round, clean. Playoff, obviously clean. He just, it looked really good. It was really exciting to watch. I highly recommend 
that when the Jomez comes out on this, you just you watch it. Uh, even if you saw this live, I can't wait to go back and watch it. My uh, Fortunately, I was able to get my daughter down and caught the playoff. And just watching those two fight back and forth was uh, chef's kiss. Mwah. Salt Bay. Boom. Nailed it. Pretty fantastic. I think that's about all I got to say for the MN side. Like I said, I did not catch as much because my schedule, having a kid, you know, I get to watch disc golf when I can, and I don't have all that time to do it. Fortunately, at work, where I work, at my um, clinic, I can put it on because we have sports on and we have TV on. So I just throw disc, I commandeer and put Disc Golf Network up. And I usually don't have too many complaints because they will put up golf tournaments too. So meh, screw you. Screw you guys, I'm going home. But... We're going to jump over to the FPO side, which, like I said, I watched that. And we had we had the dream team-ish lead card for round one, which was so much fun to watch. That was Paige Pierce, Kristen Tatar, Evelina Solonen, and Henna Blummers. Now, unfortunately, Henna did not play very well. Um, I thought she would still be top five-ish, maybe top ten at worst, and I was wrong. She ended up missing the cut after round three. She did not She did not play very well at all, where uh, Kristen and Evelina both looked a little bit off on round one. They both shot all right. Kristen Tatar shooting six down on round one. Evelina Solonen five down after round one, which was good enough to keep uh, Kristen on the lead card but have Evelina on the chase card. Unfortunately, um, round two, uh, we had uh, Katrina Allen, Paige Pierce, Kristen Tatar, and Natalie Ryan. Natalie Ryan ended up pulling her hamstring halfway through, ended up finishing even on the day, but, or sorry, excuse me. Um, she ended up finishing round two, um, not shooting very well. She ended up even on the tournament, I believe it was, and ended up going and taking a DNF on that. And uh, my only advice to her about that is to take care of your hamstring injury. That is something that in sports medicine I see all the time. And if you don't take care of it early enough, if you don't do the proper steps and skip a tournament, maybe two tournaments, depending on how bad it is. I don't know. I can't look at it. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Uh, I could just go off of the footage I saw. Um, you're going to want to take some time off, do proper rehab, make sure it's all good and healed, because that is an injury that can nag and nag and nag and be with you all year long, really hurting your, your chances at um, doing well after, you know, when it's all said and done. So, my advice to you is take the time you need and take a little bit extra time. Uh, if you want to hear my thoughts, you know, on the whole uh, Natalie Ryan um, you, nasty YouTube Twitter comments and transgender disc golfers, uh, that was in the previous episode to this one. So the one that came out this past Friday and the date on that would have been February 25th. So if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, that's where I kind of put that. Um, and that's about where I'm going to leave it. I had all my thoughts in there. This is a round 
a tournament review, a tournament wrap-up. So if you have want to know my thoughts on that, go back to that. I hope I said everything correctly. I hope I said made my points clear. And I mean no disrespect to Natalie Ryan or any of the other uh, FPO competitors. So moving forward, um, we had then we had the battle, obviously round one. Uh, Katrina Allen and Paige Pierce were tied at eight under. That was exciting. With Kristen Tatar, two strokes off of her. Uh, Paige had her had, had a clean round. Katrina could have shot a 10 down, but had two bogeys in there. And she was looking pretty confident, pretty cool, calm, collected. Just had some issues there with uh, uh, just not being able to finish. She put herself out of position. She had to scramble on a couple of these and just it didn't work well for her. But it is what it is. Um, Paige, on the other hand, had trouble, had one issue with going OB, but still managed to save the par. I thought the course as a whole, all the courses, had a couple of these that were some soft pars, to say the least. Um, Obviously, like, Paige got an eagle on a 666-foot hole. You know, that was par 5. I don't think everybody could do that. It's one of those, like, soft par 5, hard par 4 kind of deal. It's a weird position. Um, but you know, I don't make the pars. That's just how it goes. And in the end, all that matters is the total strokes, not what the final score is. So eh, it is what it is. Uh, with round two, we had, um, we had Katrina Allen, uh, Paige Pierce, Kristen Tatar and, uh, Natalie Ryan all there. Uh, Kristen looked really good. Uh, knocking in some putts. She had had a, a little bit of an issue there with going OB and just struggling on a few of the holes there. And just, you know, she was just off a little bit, but what saved her was her circle one putting at 70%. Um, she managed to take her birdies where she could. Uh, same with, she had, uh, Paige also had some issues with OB. Took a handful of bogeys here and there. And Katrina Allen actually built up a six stroke lead over Paige. And I think it was seven strokes over Kristen, if I remember correctly. And then Evelina uh, also put in a solid round, managed a seven under, a lot of birdies, just one (laughs) missed being on lead card by, I believe, a stroke with that last bogey on hole 18 in round two. Uh, Some people that surprised me throughout this whole tournament which I was absolutely shocked. These are some people that I hadn't really heard of before or maybe heard in passing. Didn't know much like Holland Handley, totally crushing it. Unfortunately had, um, didn't have the best showing overall, but Holland Handley is definitely someone you have to watch out for. Another person that they kept cutting over to was Hope C. Brown, who is like 18, I think, give or take, uh, did the math, tried to at least. Junior Worlds U15 champion in 2019, so it's three years later, so she's about 18. These young kids playing. Um, the commentary was she looks like Eagle McMahon. She's got a lanky body and throws like her, or throws, she throws like him. Words are hard, especially at almost 11 o'clock at night. Um, and she just 
she throws really well. She goes, she is all go. There is no pump in the brakes with that girl, which is what got her in trouble in the third round. She was right up there. She was making a push on chase card or to be on chase card. I believe it was off the top of my head, but she ended up not making the cut because she shot pretty terrible. If I can find her here on here we go. Hope C. Brown shot a plus 13, erasing her uh, five stroke, five under par, and dropped her to 34th, missing the cut. She dropped 24 places. She was sitting in 10th place to start the round, dropped 24 places to 34th place, uh, just struggling. Um, the, the hard part with her, and one thing that she will hopefully learn, hopefully it's sooner than later, is when to pump the brakes when to go for it, go balls out and go everything you got and when to lay up. And this is coming from a guy who knows that I should lay up and I don't ever. Um, that's, you know, that's rough. Uh, somebody else that didn't do as well as I, I thought, um, Kona Panis dropped 19 places in the third round to go from also tied at 10th to... 29th. She shot a plus 11, started out with a triple bogey, bounced back with a birdie, and it was just downhill from there. Um, one thing that I, I noted in Half in the Bag, which you should go subscribe to Half in the Bag Disc Golf on wherever you get your podcast, especially wherever you're listening to this one, or if it's on YouTube, you know, go ahead and listen, watch there. It's fun. It's a good time. Um, Kona's got a lot of pressure on her. She signed that fat contract 500,000 four years and six other trilogy women beat her, not including Kristen Tatar. And now you're saying, why am I not including Kristen Tatar? Well, Kristen Tatar has the pretty much the exact same, at least what we know about it. They have the exact same contract, 500,000 four years. So in my mind, those two should be on par and one beats the other. No big deal. But you had other girls beating Kona pretty bad. Um, and no shade, no, no disrespecting the other women who played well. But they... Uh, Windows, shut up. But they're not getting the fat contract like Kona Panis is. So, yes, she is still learning her bag. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of pressure on her. And I hope that she can rise to the occasion. Her putt looked terrible. Um, she was she would figure it out, and then on the next hole, forget everything. And I don't know what it is. I think she needs to just go back and practice more. She just needs to get more reps, get really comfortable, try to get that nice flat release, maybe a little bit of a hyzer putt, and just work on it. Like uh, Evelina was someone who was not putting confidently round one and figured it out for rounds two and three and round four kind of reverted back. Not, not so great. Uh, that's someone who needs to improve too. Someone who really surprised me though, Rebecca Cox. Uh, she ended up finishing 12th. Um, I believe 12th, sorry, 11th. I was looking at the wrong day. Uh, she ended up finishing 11th overall and her putt was deadly. I mean, she still has a lot to learn and she is going to continue to improve. But Rebecca Cox for Team Latitude 64, she is 
definitely moving up. Um, she is looking really good. Just like I said, Holland Hanley, missing Missy Gannon, um, did not play her best, had a couple rough patches in there, but again, seventh place, she did pretty well. Uh, I'll be curious to see how this top 10 really shakes out over the next couple weeks. We've got Waco coming up here in a couple weeks, um, about two weeks from the time of recording this, of the time of listening. It could be a week. It could be tomorrow. It could be happening right now. It could be yesterday. You don't know. I don't know. There's no way for me to know. Hello, people in the future. Hopefully the world is not blown up yet, but who knows? Um, again, the battle of Paige and Katrina never fails to entertain. It was back and forth and back and forth. Paige jumped out to an early lead off of a Katrina error on hole one, where Paige got the birdie, Katrina got the par, and then immediately flipped the script on hole three, where Paige bogeyed, Katrina par or uh, uh, birdied, and just went back and forth and back and forth. And anytime one of them made a mistake, the other just capitalized and it was just back and forth. And they were tied going into hole 18. And Paige, uh, this is one of those times, like I, like I'm, uh, I said to Hope, you know, you got to know when to back off. I, I can't blame her for going for it, though. I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing because here's the deal. Um, on hole 18, Paige lays up. Everybody lays up to that first landing zone. Perfectly fine. Whatever. Everybody does the same thing where Katrina Allen goes and lays up into the next spot to get a nice, easy approach. Par five looking just to play the par, maybe get a birdie where Paige is trying to get aggressive and really throw it out there. Try to give herself maybe a circle two look for the Eagle, you know, and nod it up, go to a playoff. You never know. But she kind of misjudged it. The shot trickled into the water she goes OB, she takes her stroke, and Bob's your uncle. She takes a five, she takes a par on that one to Katrina's birdie. But Katrina really, you know, going first was able to make Paige make the decision to either go for it or lay up. And, you know, hindsight's 2020, and you can't say like, oh, well, you know, she should have just laid up, where you go the other way around, and suddenly you know, Katrina lays up, Paige makes the throw, and now she's got a long circle two look. And Katrina knows like, hey, I gotta, I might have to throw this in, you know, just to be competitive here. And then you're going, all right, what's gonna happen? Because Paige can make those long putts, you never know. And from the way that hole is set up, there isn't too much risk for running that long, uh, a long circle two look. So, I mean, there is some OB behind it, but where Paige would have ended up, it wouldn't have been too big of a factor, and the misses would have most likely trickled and stopped, but you never know. Uh, it was really exciting to see, really exciting to watch. Again, I highly recommend you go back and you watch the Jomez of the MPO, and you watch the GK Pro of the FPO, and they both do great stuff. It's awesome. 
And I think that about does it for this show here. So don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate the podcast, review the podcast. It helps other people find this podcast. Like and subscribe, comment down below on YouTube. Let me know, find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let me know what you think of these round recaps that I'm doing. I did write-ups right after the round. I'd love to do them for the MPO as well. I just need to find, be able to have the time to watch the MPO round because I don't want to talk or write about something that I, I don't know as much about. And that's the last thing I want to do. Now, the FPO, like I said, I watched pretty much all of it. There are a handful of holes I missed here and there, but I was able to watch it all otherwise. And uh, let me know what you think about this. I'm trying to do this round or tournament recap. I would I thought about doing a round recap, but I think that would only be 10 minutes tops. I mean, look at this. This is as I'm recording it right now, I just rolled over 24 minutes. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if there's enough for me to I'm, I'm sure I could BS it, but then I would bore you with a whole bunch of unnecessary stuff. So let me know again what you think. If you like it, great. If you don't, you know, give me suggestions or I ax it. You know, it's all up to you guys. But I, I wanted to kind of separate talking about the round in detail from the podcast from the news. So try to get it so, you know, my podcast stays at about that 45 minute. I feel like that 40-ish, 45 minute is kind of that sweet spot for everybody. It is for me because that's about how long my commute is every day. So that's kind of where I shoot for there. Let me know again what you think. Tell me I'm doing a good job. Tell me I'm doing a bad job. Let me know. Comments below. You guys have been awesome. You've been awesome. I've been Joe. I can't wait to talk to you all in the next podcast. See you all in the next video. If you get kicked deeper into the woods, you need to reflect and repent because you have transgressed against Treesus. And if you get kicked deeper, or if you kicked back into the fairway, which we saw a couple times out there today in this tournament, then you need to thank Treesus because you have pleased him in some way or another. Thank you all for watching. I can't wait to see you all in the next video.